You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, your number one source for hunting and shooting in the great outdoors. Sit back and relax as we interview some of the most experienced outdoorsmen in the industry today. You will learn valuable tips and tricks that you can use on your next hunting trip into the field to make you a more successful hunter. Now here's your host, Jason Selms. All right, guys, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. I'm, of course, your host, Jason Selms. And on today's show, it's our very, very first episode. And we're very, very pleased to announce our first guest is Brian Downs. Now, if a lot of you guys don't know who Brian Downs is, he is the uh, host of the very, very popular Fox Pros Predator Hunting Talkcast. If you haven't heard the Predator Hunting Talkcast, you can go on iTunes, subscribe on the iTunes page there, or go to the website too, which is predatortalkcast.com. Alternatively, go out to the Facebook page as well. There's almost 1,600 people that are on Facebook now posting photos, videos, and just a great community out there at Facebook as well um, talking about predator hunting. Uh, Brian is also now part of the uh, Fox Pro field staff, and Brian does put a lot of his own personal time into the podcast, which truly shows in the products that he's been putting out. So without further ado, let's bring him on the show. Brian Downs, are you there? I'm here. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks for coming on the show, man. We really, really appreciate it, and uh, someone, especially of your experience coming on the show, is definitely really appreciated. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate that, and I'm really happy to be here. And uh, you know, I've done some uh, some work with some Australian guys before, and really interesting the fox team guys have over there. So I'm excited to be on the show. Fantastic, man. No, pleasure to have you on. So, just first off, we'll start off with a basic question. Tell me about you know a bit of your personal background, how you got into hunting. You know, was it you know a father sort of to son family tradition? Just give us a bit more info. Yeah. You know, I got started hunting how, you know, a lot of guys got started hunting. My father and my grandfather always hunted, so I wanted to emulate them and be with them in the field. And, you know, I started off hunting partridge and pheasant with them and eventually graduated to deer hunting with them and, you know, moved on to surpass them. None of them ever predator hunted before, and it's just something that I happened to get into uh, you know, my, the coyote goes by a stand and I shoot that coyote, you know, starting off thinking, well, I want to get rid of that coyote and thin them out and, and get them away from my deer herd so they stop hurting my deer. Uh, and basically over time, I, I gained more and more respect for the coyote and predators. And it basically has taken over the hunting in my life. And I just, I have so much respect for them and I chase them all the time. I just, hey, can't get away from it. <laughs> no, that is true. So, so speaking about the predator hunting podcast, like, how did that come about? Was it something you conceived, or was it, you know, in, in conjunction with someone else, or was it just just your love of hunting that you thought, hey, you know, we need to get a podcast or something out there to the people, whether you know they're professional or even new people coming into the industry. What made you get started on the podcast? You know, it's 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 one of those things where you ever just sitting around with a couple of buddies and you said, them, you know, what would be really cool. And you just mentioned something off the wall and odd, and one of them goes, yeah, that'd be neat, but you're a little bit crazy. And it's the same thing that happened with the podcast. Um, you know, I'm sitting around with a friend, and I said, you know what would be really cool is if we got all the guys on the local forum to talk about our techniques and baiting and calling coyotes, and I did a podcast and put it out there. Wouldn't that be a hoot? Oh, that'd be funny. So we did one. And... After that first one, people started to like it, and I got a couple emails. So I made a call to a, to another company and said, you know, could you get one of your pros to come on and and talk about predator hunting? And from there, it just it's it just started to roll, and it's been been two and a half years now. 
um, Foxborough purchased the show, and right now we we get about twelve to fifteen thousand listens a show now. Ah, oh, I know it's absolutely amazing. I, you know, I personally listen to it all the time. I know a lot of people are really starting to get into it. And it's great. It's not just for the professional; it's also for the new guys coming around. So, you know, great job with that. So, now that speaking of Fox Pro, so now that you're on their field stuff, what what are you sort of doing for them? Is it writing? Are you know are you filming? I know you're doing a lot of seminars, but yeah, just tell us a bit about that too. Well, I still do my writing. You know, besides Fox Pro, I write for Predator Extreme Magazine. I've written for AR Guns and Hunting and a couple other smaller publications. But as far as Foxpro, um, they're sending me out to do seminars, um, and they've been, you know, they've been sending me around the country. It gives me a chance to do a little hunting in different parts of the country too. Um, and of course, I'm doing the podcast, and I'm looking forward to doing some filming with them for their new TV show. I'm really excited about that, and uh, it's just good to be involved with a company that's that's at the top. I mean, they're the best of the best when it comes to e-calls, and they've allowed me a platform. To, you know, share my passion of predator hunting with everyone. To- totally agree. They, they do make some good products. I know a lot of guys here in Australia that, you know, have a few of their products too. And hopefully, you know, and in the coming years, especially in Australia, that, you know, this sort of starts taking off, especially, I mean, e-calls. Five years ago, I don't think anyone had any sort of e-calls. It was, you know, you're aware of our basic tin or button whistle. I and mean, that was what we used sure. to call in foxes, which is, you know, it, it works, but I mean, you can't mimic the sounds that you get on these Fox Pros. I mean, it's just, I think it's absolutely amazing as well. And I love mine, and I know a lot of guys love theirs too. So speaking of those seminars as well, have you got any, I mean, for the guys that are living in America at the moment and up near your way, are they, have you got any seminars coming up that you want to sort of plug or, you know, that you, so that, you know, people can go and check out, you know, the uh, talkcast and have a chat with you and, yeah. Actually, right now, is, uh, today's date the 19th of February, and I don't have anything scheduled for the next month right now. I've just recently uh, got off the road doing some stuff for Fox Pro. I was out in Idaho. I was up in Maine. had all over the place. So it's actually nice to get back into the studio, take a little break, do a little recording, spend some time at home. So I'm really – I don't have anything scheduled right now, but it's not that I don't appreciate that little time off too. No, exactly. And you got to, as they say, you got to keep the family happy too, the wife and the family. So, <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's funny, you were mentioning the, the Fox Whistle there a second ago. And if you go onto Fox Pro's website, we have a Fox Whistle that you can put on the Fox Pro too. So we can we can get that sound on the e-call too, sure. I guess it's pick the sound Fox Pro doesn't have. I guess that's the, that's the hardest part. That'd be the game, right? <laughs> we obviously know that you love predator hunting. Now, tell us... I know you talk about a lot about coyotes. So, what's your your favorite predator to hunt? Is it the bobcat, the coyote, the fox? What? Just tell us which one your favorite is. Oh, uh, you know, I'd have to say the coyote because uh, I do I do so much coyote hunting, and they act a little bit different depending upon what part of the country you're in. Um, but as far as an exciting hunt, like an action-packed hunt, I love to hunt gray fox, and I love to hunt I love to hunt raccoon because they both. They charge the call. Now, I don't know if the reds in Australia act the way our greys do here, but they are so brave. They literally charge right up to the call, uh, afraid of nothing. That's true. So it all depends what time of the season, too. Um, you know, initially, right about now, we're in like the peak of summer. So all the all the fox pups have basically they're out of the dens now, searching for food. So come towards you know April, May, that's when they, the older ones really start to come onto the to the call and start charging it. But I've found that at the moment they're very very shy. They come in slowly, and yeah. So it's just, it depends on what time of the you know what time of the season it is, too. 
Yeah, I might wait a little bit till they start to get away from the uh, the family unit and be a little bit more brave and start coming to the call, so you don't educate those those flocks in your good calling areas. That's right. See, now, we don't have any grey fox over here either, so you know, I have heard they're quite they can be quite aggressive, especially coming to that. I think it's a grey fox is a grey fox pup distress they like. They like the uh, they like the screaming grey and they love the grey fox fight. Grey fox fight, that's the one. Yeah, I can. I've heard that one's magical. So it is. It's unbelievable. And we really don't, where I am in the country, uh, in the States here, I really don't have any reds around me. The coyotes have killed them all. But how come, can I ask a question about that too? Why, why, how come the coyote doesn't attack the gray fox? Are they a bit scared of the gray fox, is it? Or what's, the, what's, what's happening with that? Can't catch them. Gray fox actually climb trees. It's, it's uh, you know, and I've, I've seen it. I've seen them do it before, uh, you know, while hunting for whitetails with a bow and arrow, the, the deer. And uh, you wouldn't believe how they'll actually charge up to a tree and just go right up it and take whatever they killed, be it a, a sparrow or a squirrel, and hide it and, you know, cache it in that tree and come back down and take off and come back with another bird. And it's just unbelievable to watch a fox of that size climb a tree. Yeah, no, that'd be that'd be pretty good if we have them out here. But we just got the, a lot of red fox. I mean, our red fox was introduced uh, from England, so they've basically gone into plague proportions over here. So we don't we don't actually have a season on foxes over here. Basically, you can hunt them all year round. There's no season at all. So I guess we're lucky in that respect. And they're, uh, you know, from what I hear, they're pretty much going to be unstoppable there too. They did a, a um, survey a while ago. And there's like apparently there's like millions, and and just the amount of damage they're doing to farmers, you know, that that have sheep, and just it's just it's just bad at the moment. They they eat anything, native native birds. So, you know, I guess the best we can do is you know try try and keep you know th- as I say thin them out a little bit. So. Sure. Sure. Yeah. All right, so what, so what do you with your coyotes? Obviously, you like hunting coyotes. What do you do with the skins? Are you uh, selling them? Do you, you know after you shoot your coyote, you just sort of you know leave them, or do you what what are you doing with your coyotes when you when you when you shoot them? You know, most of my coyotes I actually give away uh, as presents, or you know I give to people to sell. Uh, I don't get that many here. Any coyote that doesn't have mange, I try to skin out sick, especially the large ones here in my state when the fur is really prime. Uh, but to tell you the truth, you're not going to get a lot of money for fur in the States. Uh, a green coyote right now in the States will fetch you, you know, 5 to $7 on the round or even skinned out if you're lucky enough to get a fur buyer to take it. Now, keep in mind, I have a 6.1 liter in my truck. So it's going to cost me, uh, I won't call it gas, I'll call it petrol to help you out. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's going to cost It's going to cost me more in petrol to drop that coyote off. Uh, than I'm going to make off that animal. So I basically just skin them out. I, I flesh them, salt them, stretch them, and send them off to a professional tannery to be tanned. It's very inexpensive. They cost me $18 a piece. And to see someone light up when you give them that most gorgeous, supple, soft fur, it's trust me, it's worth the 18 bucks all day long. I think we might have to do a hint, hint. There might be a guy in Australia that would love a uh, coyote uh, uh, skin. I- I'm not sure if that'd be able to send. I don't. I don't think customs would let them through. I'm not 100 percent. Absolutely, sure. absolutely, they will. No problem. I've sent it to Australia before. Oh really? Oh, I might have to get your details and um, send some money over there because there'd be a glad Australian sitting right here that would love one. I got. I have a pile of them in the corner. I'll just pick one and ship it to you. It's not a big deal at all. I've sent a friend of mine in Australia, my buddy Keith. I've sent him a couple of a uh, couple of gray fox before. So. Oh no, a gray fox. Yeah, just. 
that'd be that'd be great. Yeah. So all right, let's get on to a bit of the hunting aspect. So yeah, when you're scouting properties, what sort of land are you hunting on? I know there's a lot of if I'm actually getting this correct, BLM land, like basically public land that a lot of guys are hunting out uh, over on the west coast. So like, are you hunting private land? Have you got relationships with farmers and and ha- yeah, just give us a bit of info on that. Well, uh, I'm going to start it with uh, ending the last question. A great way to access property and a great way to thank a farmer is to give them a gorgeous coyote pelt. Say, hey, by the way, thanks for letting me hunt this winter. I want you to have a couple of these pelts. What do you think? Oh, that's great. You know, it's a great way to access new property and to thank a farmer or a landowner for giving you access to that property. So, um, you know, to basically answer your question, Depending upon where I'm hunting in the country, if I'm hunting in Texas, the majority of the property down in Texas is private property. So I'm getting permission from landowners and ranchers to hunt the property. Uh, Out west, there's a lot of BLM, uh, uh, Bureau of Land Management, public property that you can just pull over on the side of the road and anyone is welcome to walk in and hunt it. We have wildlife management areas here in my state that it's all public property. Now, every, all the game has a season. You have to be within the season, within the quota. But uh, there's a lot of public property. So if you spend your time scouting, looking at maps, uh, knowing your buffer zones, you have access to, to unbelievable amounts of property here in the States. Yeah, that, and I think that's a good thing that you know, keeps a lot of people interested because I know, especially a lot of people in Australia, I think you know a lot of people don't want to approach you know farmers or ranchers or landowners for for, for access to properties. You know, because I guess people think it is a bit a bit too forward to go and ask someone for access, but it, it definitely does work if you if you put in the effort. Uh, I mean, in, in Australia, a few years back, they released uh, through the through the uh, the government uh, uh, a lot of state forests within New South Wales. You can now actually hunt. In them whereas before uh, there was none of that sort of thing if you didn't have any private land to hunt on basically you couldn't hunt so uh, our government is coming a little bit on board I mean don't, don't get me wrong it has been uh, not very well received by the you know the green type you know uh, political parties they're trying to ban guns and and you know ban all types of hunting as they think you know it's unethical and so thank God we can still be able to hunt and, and now that people have got access if they don't feel like they can approach someone then there are avenues to go out to state forests and 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 there's like yeah i think there's like a million hectares of property to hunt so that's fantastic and you know uh the same thing that we get here you'll probably get there where uh, our coyote in my area is almost demonized nobody likes a coyote around us it's a predator it will eat you know uh, uh not only local wildlife but it'll eat cats domestic dogs and that's not too far off of what you have with your red fox it seems like nobody down there likes the red fox so you should be able to gain access to properties using that to your advantage. You know, do you have any problematic red fox? I'd be happy to help you out with the situation. I find, you know, to to make it as low key as possible when I approach a, you know, like a, a farmer or you know, a landowner, just say, you know, do you mind if I whistle up some foxes? And most of the time they're, oh sure, no problem. You know, do you want to hunt now? And I'm like, oh well, Matt, you know, maybe not today. I'm I'm scouting land today, so just give me, I'll, give, I'll just grab your name and number, and I'll be in contact. So it all depends on how you and what you look like as well, and how you present yourself. If you present yourself well, there. You know, most you know guys, you know landowners, they're they're you know farmers at heart. They they're probably happy to give you a run as long as you do the right thing. Sure, absolutely. It's all in how you approach someone and your attitude. You know, keep a good disposition. So what what type of areas are you hunting in? I know I've heard from you a few of your recent podcasts. You know, you're hunting open fields. You know, are you getting into the thicket? What sort of you know are you hunting small land, large land? We'll just give me a bit of info on that. 
you know, it really depends on the game I'm hunting. You know, if I'm here uh, uh, local in my area hunting for gray fox, I'm hunting in thick, thick cover. I mean, if I can see 25 yards, it, it's a good distance, or 25 meters, sorry, you know. Uh, if I could see 25 meters, I'll try to I'll try to work it out for you here. <laughs> if I could see if I could see 25 meters, it's a great distance. You know, when I'm hunting gray fox in my area. Yet uh, a few weeks back, we're going back three weeks now. I was in Idaho, and I was absolutely amazed that when we were predator hunting, I could see a thousand plus meters coming over the top of a hill, and it was just you know. And the and the guy I was hunting with, Sean, says to me, uh, he goes, gives me a little kiss, you know, with his mouth, and goes. 800 meters at the top of the hill and i'm 800 meters how can you see him at that distance and he can pick them up the guys are just used to seeing animals at that distance and knowing what to look for we're in massachusetts here when i'm predator hunting most of the time when i spot coyote it's within 100 meters so it just really depends on what part of the country you're hunting in it's even though you're hunting the same animal uh different terrain the animal's going to act a little bit different and it's a completely different hunt. That's what makes it so exciting. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree. So I'll just go off track a little bit. When, so when a, you know, say a coyote comes in, if you're in open land, like, and you see him say, you know, three, 400 yards or 400 meters away, do you often will just continue to let them come in and see what they do? Or do you event, or do you eventually say, well, now's the time to take the shot? Will it just depend on, you know, what his movements, if he's still coming in, you know, if he stopped a little bit, will you still just, you know, keep that caller going and try and get him in as close as you can? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you an idea. It's like the difference between uh, uh, a bow hunter and an archer. An archer wants to see how far he can shoot that arrow and hit an animal. A bow hunter wants to see how close he can get that animal to him. And it's the same thing with a, a coyote hunter and a coyote caller. Uh, a coyote hunter wants to shoot that coyote and kill it. A coyote caller wants to literally call that thing right into his lap. And, and I'm more of a coyote caller. I want to see how close I can get that animal to me using my call. And a lot of times, uh, you know, in my state, I'll only bring a rifle with me. And I'll take shots with my rifle at 30 yards, 30 meters, 25 meters. So I want to call it as close as I can um, and, and make the best shot possible. Yeah, no, no, very well said, very well said. So going into that, what sort of firearms are you guys using up there around that sort of uh, Massachusetts, Boston area? Are you guys using, you know, like, as you said, you're in the thicket. Are you using shotguns, uh, you know, a centerfire, using, like, you know, what sort of shotguns? You know, semi-auto, pump action? I know you're a big fan and a huge fan of your 204, as far as I've heard. Yep, yep, absolutely. I love the 204. If I'm taking a rifle out, I'm probably taking my 204 out because it's fast and flat. Uh, I can shoot a 40 grain VMAX and out to 300 yards. I really don't have to make any adjustments. I can just let it go and I'm going to hit my target. And most of the time, that's what I'm using if I'm hunting for coyotes. If I'm going for the gray fox, I'm usually in tighter cover. Uh, that's when I'll switch to a shotgun and I'll sometimes shotgun for, for coyotes too, but I'm going to change my ammunition for different predators that I'm hunting. Yeah, no, nah, that, that that that's that's true. So, what sort of what's your shotgun of choice if you're going to be using a shotgun? Uh, if I'm using a shotgun, I use everything from you know Remington 1187 to Remington 870 to a Mossberg. Really depends on what situation I'm in, um, and you know shot size. Uh, uh, what do you guys have for shot sizes over there? Oh, generally, I think it's a little bit different from the States, but I'm using, if I'm hunting foxes, you know, obviously the coyote is a little bit bigger, but, you know, BB, normally I think okay. BB is yep. what, about 40 or 50 pellets, so, so, yeah, it depends on, you know, it just depends on 
how close they are too. Like sometimes I might even put like the first shot will be a BB with like a full choke. And then on the second shot, because we're using the under and over shotgun, I'll, I'll often throw in like a number two shot with like a, you know, improved modified just to open it up a bit and get a few more pellets downrange if you, you know, just in case you happen to miss because he's too far away. But then again, also depends sure. on penetration as well, you know, with the, the uh, you know, more pellets equals less penetration at longer distances. So. Sure, and depending upon the thickness of the fur, too, because I find that here with coyotes in my area, the fur is so thick that a smaller round like a number two nitromag or a BB isn't thick enough to punch through that fur. Although it patterns great, it doesn't have the kinetic energy to punch through that fur. That's why you have to step up to a tee shot if I'm here in my state, or if I'm out of state, I'll be shooting like a double-odd buck. How, how many pellets is in that uh, tee shot or the, the buck? Uh, the double odd buck, I believe, I'm sorry, not double odd buck, number four buck. Um, the number four buck, I believe, is 42 pellets. And the tee shot, depending if I'm shooting a, a, a dead coyote or an HD Remington tee shot, I believe they're about 42. 42, 52, right in there. I'm, what I'm looking for with a shotgun is I'm looking for nine pellets in a 10-inch circle. And that's my kill shot as far as tee shot goes. Now, if I were using a smaller shot, I'd want to see more pellets. If I was using a larger shot, I'd want to see less pellets. But for me, that's how many pellets I'm looking for in a 10-inch circle. And no matter the distance, that's my kill shot. Now, I know with my Mossberg, with a, uh, with a .660 turkey choke, an HD tee shot at 60 yards, I can get nine pellets in a 10-inch circle every single time I take the shot. From a bench rest, so that's my that's my lethal distance. Sixty yards. That must be a really really tight choke. Then I'm guessing it is. It is the turkey constriction is very tight. And you know one of my one of my biggest secrets for shotgunning on um, the past few few years is I've been bringing my chokes with me, right in my bag with all my ammunition and my Fox Pro Fury. Uh, so when I go into a stand, if I say, well, this covers a little bit tight, I'm going to back up to a modified choke. I pull that super full out. I put my modified in. And now I'm set for that stand. The next stand may be a little bit further. I pull that modified out. I put my turkey choke in. So you're literally changing. You're cha not only changing your choke, but you're changing your firearm and the distance you can shoot from stand to stand, really easily and quick. Yeah, exactly. No, not very, very well said again. All right. So getting into you know, how is how you're setting up stands. How do you generally set up your stands to, you know, to make the hunt successful? You know, is it you know wind in your face? Are you are you generally sitting high like on a hill or a ridge line or in a perfect world? All right, which we don't always get. I always have to give up something to make a stand work. But in a perfect world, I want the wind hit me in the face, the sun hitting me in the back. Right, the sun at my back. I want cover at my back. I want elevation so I can see an approaching predator, and uh, I want my shotgun and my rifle. A lot of times you'll have to give something up. You know, you'll put the wind in your face, uh, but the sun will be coming a quarter to you from your right side or your left side, or you won't be able to get a good cover behind you, or you'll have to lose the elevation. There's always something you're going to have to give up to get that perfect stand. And, you know, you just got to find that balance of where it fits for you. You know, you ask how to set a stand up. And I think the biggest problem that guys make is they don't pay attention to the little stuff when they're setting up a stand, Jason. Like, you know, uh, for instance, is, is your muffler on your truck too loud when you're driving into a stand? Do you get that, that dreaded, the squeaky brakes in your pickup? 
Um, do you have uh, uh, the dinging when you open your, your vehicle door from your key still being in your ignition? It's all these little things that guys don't pay attention to, and that's the reason why most hunts are over before they start. So if you, if you want to be more successful in the field, pay attention to all the little stuff. And once you put the little stuff together, you're just going to start having more success. No, exactly. I think we've all, I personally been a bit guilty of that too. <laughs> like, you know, riding a motorbike straight into the uh, stand, putting the collar down and then heading over <laughs> to the stand. But then sometimes I've still called them in. So I guess, you know, I guess it can work and sometimes it doesn't work, I guess. It all depends, you know. Well, it's sort of, uh, do you own, a, you own a dog? Have you ever uh, I, owned a I, dog don't, I do own a dog. Yeah, I have owned a dog, yeah. Okay, well, you know, uh, take your dog, for instance. You know, uh, all of a sudden, someone pulls into your drive, and the dog's ears perk up, and he goes to the door. Well, you didn't hear him, but that dog knew someone was there before you did. It's the same thing with a, with a coyote or a fox in your situation. They hear you drive up. They just, they sense something's wrong. They hear you. Now, all of a sudden, they hear you start laying out, wah, 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 on your call. And they think, well, I just heard something. Maybe I'll just start by going downwind. And all it takes is for them to go downwind because they heard something a little off and, uh, you know, the hunt's over. So whatever you can do to, uh, you know, try to sneak in and catch them off the guard. Yeah, uh, great advice, great advice. So how far are you normally uh, setting up your e-caller? You know, 20 yards, 40 yards? Is it it all depending on sort of whether you're hunting open land or, or sort of in the thicket? It completely depends on terrain. You know, if I'm in the thicket, obviously it's being set up close to me. If I'm hunting in an open field with a with a dip in front of me, I probably want to set it down into that dip. So if I get a predator to come up over the top of the hill, he's going to think that that uh, distress sound is coming from in that ditch in front of me, and it's just going to bring him in a little bit closer. It, it really depends on uh, on the terrain how I set it up. But usually, I'd say. 50 yards is my max in front of me. I don't set it up much further than that. Of course, with with the with the remotes that are being produced nowadays, you can set it up a, a country mile away and still get the remote to work. Um, but I, uh, you know, I really don't have to. No, exactly. That's a, that's a, that's a good point. So, what do you think the benefits? I mean, for the new people that are getting into you know predator hunting, um, you know the benefits the benefits of using electronic callers. You know, say compared to you know, like we have here, the mouth calls, the tin whistles, or, you know, what's, how, how do you think they compare? Well, uh, there's almost no comparison, but what you got to think is, uh, for someone that's just getting into predator hunting and they want to see if it's for them, they can start with a mouth call and get out there and find out if they like it. They don't have to spend all the money on an e-call. If they want to get serious and they want to shoot predators and they want to take fur, they can step up to an electronic caller because not only can you call longer, you can call louder, but you can make a wide array of sounds. I mean, picture picture a lanyard with uh, a turkey call on it, a jackrabbit call on it, a cottontail distress call on it, a titmouse bird call. I mean, just imagine what that would look like and what you'd sound like trying to walk in the woods with all those sounds around your neck with hand calls. Now, you can do the exact same thing with a small handheld unit. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and some of the ones they've got too, some of the guys here in Australia, I mean, they've just gone for the Spitfire or, uh, or, or is it, I think there's a Scorpion as well. And, um, yeah, Scorpion's a wonderful guy. Yeah, going. some of these, and they're, they're getting fantastic results. They're getting, I mean, doesn't, you know, I mean, some of the guys are going for the more expensive calls like I've got, you know, but it's they're still successful, you know. They're, they're loading on the calls before they head out to make their stands and, yeah. 
they're just as successful. So it all depends on you know I guess your budget of what you know what and what extra features you're going to get on your on the unit that you decide to purchase. Exactly. I mean, you can you can go to Foxborough and buy one of our hand calls for fourteen or fifteen dollars. It's a close read call, and you can you can shoot predators with it. So don't think that you have to go out if you want to hunt. You don't have to go out and spend five or six hundred dollars. You don't have to buy a two hundred four Ruger if all you have is a a, a three hundred eight or a thirty out six. Well, go out there and start hunting. Pick yourself up a fourteen dollar call and see if it's for you. And the first time you call in a predator. And you get a shot, even if you miss it, you'll know if it's for you right off the bat. Oh, exactly. I mean, as <laughs> when when you go out, every time I've seen a fox in my, as soon as I see it, my heart just goes like, if it's it, as you said before, if it's not making you buzz, you're best off giving it up, right? That's right. Absolutely, absolutely. You'll know right. You'll know right off the bat, and you get the same thing every time. Nothing compares to it. I wonder, in your experience, even after as long as you've been hunting, does it ever get old when you, you know, you see that coyote just, you know, sneaking in? Does the heart still race? It does, and you know what I'm surprised by? It's not, it's not the fact that I'm not overamped. What I'm surprised at is how excited I still get sometimes. Mm. Where my scopes, the, the the predators approaching, the coyotes coming running in, and my scopes moving. And I'm like, hey, settle down. Take take it easy. This isn't your first coyote. Calm down. So I still really, I still really get excited. Uh, that's uh, it's, there's nothing in my opinion. There's nothing else like it, Brian. There really isn't. Absolutely. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't agree with you more, man. That's why I just, I love to do it. That's why I barely, I barely hunt for anything else anymore. So let's say Brian, a new hunter gets into, you know, predator hunting, can't afford an electronic caller. You know, what's the best mouth call to use? You know, is it open read or you know closed read? You know, something they can get out. You know, get into the field. You know, start making a stand. Whether it's with their, you know, triple two or their, you know, three oh eight, they can get predator hunting. Because you know, as you know, if you're not out in the field hunting, you know, you're definitely not going to be calling up any coyotes. Yeah, if a guy wants to just get started in predator hunting and you don't have a lot of money and you don't want to make the investment, you want to find out if it's right for you. The best thing you're probably going to start off with is a closed read call. Uh, all a closed read call is the read that makes the sound is encapsulated inside the call. So it's just like a kazoo. You guys ever have kazoos yeah, in Australia? Yeah, we've had it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. So, so I got I got a couple right here, and this is our uh, this is Fox Bros Little Woodsman, which is a a bird distress read, and it's just like a kazoo. Yeah. So all I'm going to do with this is just fluctuate my breath and go, and I can basically just. like a kazoo uh wow. it's all encapsulated i'm just changing my breath and rolling my fingers around a little bit i was like large... where, i was like where's the raccoon it <laughs> <Yeah>. sounds kind <laughs> of like a raccoon is that meant to be a bird distress sound that one bird distress yes you wouldn't tell would you i think that sounded exactly like it a little twittering raccoon maybe and you know some of the larger closed reeds uh also very very easy to use very easy to get into um, you guys can almost master one of these in the course of a day. They're not that hard to use. The larger one, once again, the reed's closed on the inside. And you can do so much with these calls. You can do coyote howls. You can do distress. Um, and once again, very inexpensive. Under 20 bucks can get you any one of these calls right from uh, Fox Pro's website. So. 
really, really inexpensive to get into, and you guys can get out there and start having fun right away. When you go out in the field, are you, like, just in case batteries fail, are you always carrying, like, one of those closed recalls on you just in case, or you might just change it up? Or some days do you just go out uh, just with a, with a hand call, or, or, or these days are you just mainly using the electronic call? I'm actually quite lazy, believe it or not. So I'm using my e-call almost all the time. But what I'll tell you is I always have one open and one closed read call on every lanyard when I'm carrying my Fox Pro remote in my e-call because batteries die. And I could be in the middle of a stand and be having a conversation with a coyote out there howling in the bushes at three, 400 yards, and all of a sudden my batteries are dead, and I don't want to have to, you know, military crawl out into that field to try to swap batteries out so I'll be able to, to turn into my open read and do some howling at them and keep the stand going. Uh, yeah, exactly. No, I t- totally agree. So now getting into the stand and the, the electronic callers as well, but using decoys, um, you know, th- again, this is something very, very new in Australia, uh, you know, using decoys to get, you know, the fox or coyote's attention. So uh, are you personally using a decoy? And if you are, are you using it, you know, on every stand? And, and, and what do you think makes like, you know, a decoy work in, in general? You know, I I am using a decoy on almost every stand. The only time I'm not using a decoy is when I'm set up right on top of the thicket. You know, if that if that predator is going to come out of the woods or come out into the field and it's within 50 yards, I'm probably not going to set that decoy up because by then I have to be ready to take my shot. Uh, if I'm hunting anywhere in the open, I always set out a decoy. The reason I do it is because we're trying to make that distress sound. So we're making an animal... You know, he's heard it, and he wants to believe it, and he's coming in. Now he sees that decoy. So not only has he heard it, but now he sees it. Now he believes it. So he's going to lock in or he's going to lock onto that decoy. And even if it just gives me a little bit of extra movement, if I can get away with a little bit more, turn my rifle, shift my shooting sticks, something where if he wasn't locked onto that decoy, I would have been picked off, uh, that's worth it to me every stand to put that out. Uh, Yeah. Totally agree. I've had a bit of, um, you know, sometimes, I won't say mixed success, it's definitely been good because they've been coming in, but sometimes, you know, I've had them come in, you know, super, super slow, uh, like, you know, getting within, you know, 40 or 50 yards downwind and then or, and, and then and then starting to circle downwind. So what, with your coyotes, when you're using the decoy, do you find they are just, you know, charging the decoy or, you know, are they still a bit wary? What sort of percentage are you getting that are sort of charging the decoy and the caller well you know a lot of guys will say to me uh you know i don't think the decoys really work because the coyote ran into 80 yards and just locked up and stared at the decoy well that's perfect Uh, i don't see that as a problem i don't see that as a negative thing with the decoy so it's standing in a wide open field waiting for me to take a good shot at it um that that for me is great so you know when i say lock in or lock on um they either lock in and start coming in for the decoy, and they're coming in close, and I'm going to be able to take them with a shotgun, or they lock on. Some guys will say, you know, I've had them spook off a decoy. I've actually never had that happen to me. I've never had a coyote spook from a decoy. Uh, I had them run right by it. I've actually rolled one over a decoy and pulled it out of the ground before, and that was this year. How long are you staying on stand, too? Because I know... You know, sometimes when I've I've gotten on stand, you know, um, I've set up the caller and the uh, decoy, and I think I've heard this in one of your podcasts too. But you know, I've started to call, 
And, you know, I, you know, I'm looking over at the wind blowing in the trees and it's a beautiful day. And then all of a sudden I look up and I've got a, a red fox about, you know, 20 yards from my call just standing there. So how long do you stay on stand and how important do you think it is when you're on stand to be, you know, looking, you know, and make sure you know what's going on. You, your eyes are focused because you, you could have a coyote or a fox sitting in that tree line, just, you know, scoping things out. And I think it was Pete Hower on one of your previous uh, podcasts said that you know you'd rather see it move first than it see you moving first oh 100 absolutely uh, couldn't have said anything more true you know actually in the last show uh kenny jackson had said something really interesting when he's out calling for bobcats the first thing he does before he even puts the call on is he scans the entire area looking and he's looking for little rocks he's looking for sticks he's looking for limbs that seem out of place because a lot of times those bobcats will sneak in and sit down now as he's scanning across that bobcat with such great cover such great camouflage can just look like a, a rock or a silhouette and if it wasn't there before, he's already recognized and tried to pick out everything in the landscape. Now he knows that might be something, which is where he's going to put his rifle up and, and you know, take a shot where a lot of guys would just look right past it and think it was a rock. So um, you got to make sure you got to pay attention. Try to stay focused. My stands are only 20 minutes usually. Um, so it's 20 minutes of focus. Little ADD, but I can do that. That's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all in the same boat. Yeah, that happened to me like five, four, five weeks ago. I was looking around and just, you know, it was a beautiful day. And, you know, then all of a sudden I looked up and it probably wasn't even that far, maybe 15 yards. And then he ended up, uh, I think, as I looked up, I did move a bit quickly because I was a bit startled. And then uh, he did started to trot off and I was going to make like a, you know, I'm not sure, like a little, you know, yelping sound maybe to try and pull him up because he was right near the uh, creek where he came out of and he just, uh, I took a shot and just, yeah, it was really just not good. It was really not good, so... Big movements cause big reactions. I learned that a long time ago because I was always the one making big movements. That's right. So, so when you're going from stand to stand, are you like with the land that you're hunting? Are you, you know, are you driving in like you were talking about before, like in your truck, or have you got a, a quad or a bike or a, you know, how, how are you getting from stand to stand, or are you just walking from stand to stand? Uh, no, there's a lot of distance in between my stands here where I'm from. Uh, so I'm driving. There may be 15, 20 minutes uh, in between stand to stand to have good property here where it's different you know if, if i'm out calling in nebraska or colorado or somewhere like that uh you may only drive you know drive down the road a quarter mile make a stand drive a half a mile make a stand um just depends on the property but most of the time we're going to pick up our vehicle yeah and how far will you park the vehicle from the stand will you like try and just you know, get it as close as you can without hopefully startling any any you know surrounding predators yeah, absolutely. I try to get it as close as possible where I don't think I'm going to get picked off. Uh, you know, I, I never park too close. I know some guys will get out of the truck and walk 20 yards um, and start calling. That's not me. I, I like to set it a little far back, you know, kind of like what I was telling you before regarding how a, how a dog can hear you come in and it kind of sets them off a little bit. It's the same thing. I try to park a little further away. I've hunted with some guys who like to park really, really far away, which kind of, you know, th there's a point in there. Where you don't want to park too far away, but you don't want to park too close. You got to find out what works for you. 
Exactly. No, some good advice there too for the for the listeners. So, what what are the best times of day to call that you find? Is it you know sun up or sun down or you know nighttime hunting? I'm not sure. I think I, I, I heard in a podcast of yours that you know your state doesn't offer spotlighting or nighttime hunting. So, what I mean, let let's say you're in a state that allows night hunting. Do you think night hunting would be the best, or are you you know middle of the day lunchtime hunting, or just give us a a, a bit of a look into you know what times of day you're hunting you know and, and and a lot of people are gonna gonna think this is crazy and a lot of guys who hunt at night are gonna tell me i'm wrong but i have just as much success during the day as i do at night um of course more success you know first three last three first three hours of daylight last three hours before before the sun goes down is of course my prime times but i've shot coyotes literally all day uh, same with fox, and the same as all night. I've shot predators literally all night, but for me, I just tend to have more success during the day. And it's it's due to where I am in my state. We can hunt until midnight, but we can't use a light, so the landscape looks different. Your gear is cumbersome. Um, there's just a lot of disadvantages to hunting at night. See, that's quite an interesting concept. I mean, and. Uh like when I tell everyone that goes out hunting, I mean, obviously safety is, you know, paramount when, when you know, calling predators. I mean, uh, it's quite interesting they don't allow a spotlight, you know, at night, especially when you're hunting with a firearm. That's quite an interesting thing to to sort of have happen, isn't it, I think? Uh, it's uh, absolutely insane as far as I'm concerned, but, you know, I don't make the laws. It's also why I don't do a lot of hunting at night here in, in, in my state. I do a lot of hunting during the day. Yeah. So, uh, so what do you think affects them too? I mean, like, as in, do you, does, like, I think as far as I'm aware, your coyote season is around, like, is it October-ish uh, starting? So is it, is the cold weather, does that affect them, like, after the snowfall? Do they come to the call during snowfall or you find when, you know, the days are warming up, you're definitely going to get a lot more response? Well, believe it or not, you know, I have most of my luck before our deer season here, um, before, you know, there's a lot of pressure on the animals. So October, November, December, I have a lot of luck. I, I do a lot of calling in January and February. And of course, January and February here is very cold uh, in the Northeast. Uh, we have a lot of snow and it's during breeding season. So not only are they pressure uh, to feed due to the cold weather and temperatures, but they have a lot of pressure on them uh, due to breeding season. So they're going to come to the call uh, a, a little bit easier, I feel. Some great advice there too. So, all right, let, let's say we got wh- whether someone's an experienced hunter or, or a complete new person to you know wanting to start up predator hunting. If you could give them you know one piece of single you know important thing or advice that the hunter you know can do to ensure that he's going to like you know be successful and he's not going to be you know like you know getting out and, you know become you know upset that he's not calling in predators and give up the sport. What's one single piece of advice you'd be able to give that would at least get them on their way to being successful? Well, I'd have to say pay attention to the little things. Did I say that? I meant they're going to have to buy a Fox Pro, and they'll just be more successful. <laughs> oh, I think no. I'm gonna, I, may, I may sound like I'm getting sponsored here, but I'm not. But uh, oh, def, I, no, I love I, my Fox Pro. I'd say, guys, no, you got to – I'd say once again, pay attention to the little things. Put the little stuff together. Make sure the wind's right when you walk in. Pay attention to the sun. If it's not working for you, ask yourself why. Why didn't this stand work? What did I possibly do wrong? And chances are, I mean, maybe there just wasn't a predator there to call. But you're going to be able to say, well, the wind was blowing at my back a little bit. Next time I won't do that. And if you just ask yourself why, every stand you're going to get better. And as you get better and better, you're going to put more fur on the ground. 
exactly. And, and sometimes I've found too where, like that fox that popped up on that stand I had five weeks ago, I was just scanning the tree line and, and it was only the fact that I just saw a head move that, you know, I, I knew there was, you know, the, the predator was there. So sometimes, you know, you can be calling and, you know, you might finish off your stand 20 minutes and there could be, you know, a coyote or a fox, you know, 20 yards away sitting in a bush that you just didn't see. So sometimes you, you still may have been successful. So I guess you just got to stick at it and, and, you know, I guess you keep sticking at it and keep making stands, you know, success can be yours that's it absolutely all right so i've got a special question for you here brian okay here we go so let me see if you can let's say i give you a fox pro okay Mm -hmm. any one of any one of your choice whatever you decide you wanted and i'm gonna get you to put three calls on there (laughs) <laughs> only three calls, Brian. Only three calls. I know you've given this question to a lot of other people, so I thought <laughs> let's give it to. And I know sometimes you've, like said, you've said one, you've said one sound, but I'm going to be a bit friendlier today because you've been nice to come on the show. So if I gave you All a right. Fox Pro with three calls, you know, what do you think would be the? Mo- yeah, you know, I give you a Fox Pro. You go out in the field, three calls. What are they? All right, these are sounds that I think will work not only in the States, all across the States, but I think they'll work just as well in Australia. And they're going to be, my number one sound is going to be lightning jack distress, which is a jackrabbit distress. I don't have any jackrabbits around where I am. It's my number one sound. It just works unbelievable. So I'm going to say number one will be lightning jack distress. Number two would be nutty nuthatch. This is amazing on the gray fox. Uh, from friends I know that hunt reds, it's amazing, unbelievable on red fox. So I'd say nutty nuthatch. And then my third would be probably adult cottontail because it's just, I just love the sound. It's just a great sound. I've taken a lot of coyotes over it. Um, there they are. Those are my top three, man. And you reckon take out those three, you're definitely going to be a successful predator hunter, you think? If I could take out those three, I know I'd put fur on the ground. No, fantastic. All right. So, so, so to finish off the questions, Brian, I thought, you know, our last one would be, you know, tell us about, you know, whether it be, you know, one of your most successful hunts or even something funny that, you know, maybe, you know, that went wrong, but you learned from the experience. What's, what's a, a welcomed hunt that you've had that, you know, you've either learned something from or something that's been the most successful hunt? Just give me any story that you think, you know, maybe the listeners would like to hear and, you know, maybe something they can listen to and go, oh, hey, that's, that's me and, you know, I can, I can get out there and make a successful predator hunt like, like Brian did. Okay. Now, this is coming from me. I set up this hunt and I'm traveling probably three hours from my home, two and a half, three hours from my home, depending upon how fast I want to drive. And I had everything good to go. I packed all my gear the day before. I brought my rifle. I brought my shooting sticks. I had everything ready to go. I had extra batteries, you name it. I got all the way there, and I got out of the truck and realized I left my ammo at home. So my- <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone's done that at least once or left their bolt left their bolt at home. So... <laughs> So my number one, my number one tip for that would be, you know, just make sure, uh, make sure you bring your ammunition with you. <laughs> uh, I can imagine that would have been quite the uh, interesting day for sure. I mean, was there anywhere to buy any ammo in the area? There was. Luckily enough, you know, I made it back out to the highway and made it down to the local Bass Pro shop and picked up some ammo and got back out. But it was just, it was one of those days that I still remember, you know, just 
Stupid, stupid, stupid. And uh, I t- speaking of Bass Pro Shops too, I, I was in Texas in uh, 2009 and 2008, and uh, I-, I went to the Bass Pro Shops, and let me just say, absolutely wow. I mean, what a store. I also went to one in Branson, uh, Missouri as well, and like they've got waterfalls inside, and they're... Uh, you guys are so lucky to have some of the, uh, you know, uh, local shops and stores that you guys have got, and uh, you just guys are really lucky in regards to, you know, the equipment you guys are able to use over there as well. So. Yeah, we have some we have some great stores over here. We have a lot of opportunity. Um, it, you know, it makes I, I I'll send pictures to a a buddy of mine in Australia, Keith, of some of the new firearms I'm buying just to kind of bust them a little bit because. Uh, <laughs> you sent me one. Was what was you it? You poor the, fellas uh, can't have them. I think you, you sent me one the other day. What was that one? I think it was the uh, was it an AR-15 style two twenty three for like twelve hundred dollars. I'm like in Australia only because it's banned. It'd be I think I saw an AR-15 uh, on one of the sites quite a while ago. But uh, you know, obviously it's a prohibited weapon. But you know, it was something like sixteen thousand dollars or something. I'm like, wow, like you guys are picking him up for like under fifteen hundred dollars. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and that's that's top of the line DPMS right up the shelf, two twenty three full Prairie Panther brush camo. I mean, yep, done out done out to the hilt for about about twelve fifty. Yeah, brilliant. All right, so we'll just uh, yeah, it was great getting you on the show today, Brian. I know it's our first episode, and uh, it's great to have someone on the show. You now that's got you know your experience, and also too you know someone that's also you know putting the word out there for you know predator hunting. And I know, and everyone thanks you for the you know the time that you've put in, and, and a lot of the time you're spending your own time and money, you know, to to get the word out there. And you know, and certainly now the amount of people that are getting on board and how many hits you're getting on the show, it's just. It's really starting to blow up, and that's, uh, well, you know, it's you, you. You've been one of the most, you know, the only podcast that I actually listen to. I know a lot of guys are getting on Facebook and 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 just you know submitting photos, and I'm on there as well. And there's a lot of other guys that that frequent the uh, Facebook page, and it's just really starting to pick up. And I guess everyone, on behalf of everyone, you know, that that listens to the show and keep going, man. Don't let us down. We we every every month on the first, we're we're licking our lips with anticipation to see who you're going to be, you know, bringing on the show and what sort of you know. And, and and even if it's not on the show and we can't use it in Australia, like still some of the the points that a lot of the a lot of the people. You know that the guests you get on your show, uh, you know we can use over here, and and we don't have the the TV shows and the hunting on TV that you guys get. Like you know, like you've had Les Johnson on there, like Predator Quest, and uh, you know Al Morris, and a lot of the guys that are filming. Unfortunately, we don't have those type of things on our television stations, you know, due to you know. A lot of the, you know, government restrictions and, you know, people, sure. if they happen to see something getting hunted on TV, they'd be, you know, massive uproar and, you know, wise, you know, so yeah, it's, just, it's just great, man. We really appreciate it and thanks for coming on the show and, you know, hopefully, you know, there's a long list of more Predator Talkcast episodes to, to come, hopefully, and, you know, hopefully one day you're at the top, definitely deserve it. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you know. Uh, I appreciate you listening to the show, and that's a heck of a lot of kind words. I'm sure a lot more than I deserve. And you know, if it wasn't for all the guys listening to the show, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I'm really appreciative of all the fans. And if anybody wants to get a hold of me and just say hi, you guys can always email me at predatortalkcast at yahoo.com. You can check out the show at predatortalkcast.com. Make sure to go check out Fox Pro Game Calls at gofoxpro.com. And uh, Jason, man, I'm, I'm really, I had a blast on here. It was a really good time. I'd be happy to come on. Anytime you want me to come back, I'd be glad to be here. Absolutely. So before we just finish, wrap it up there, any any final plugs that you wanted to, other than the ones you just mentioned that you'd like to let us know about? Anything else? 
No, that's basically it. You know, if you guys want to go check out the show, you can find it there. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at PH Talkcast or on Facebook at the the Predator Hunting Talkcast. And you know, that's about it. Uh, look for me if you're in the states. Look for me in your area to come by. And you never know. One day I'd love to get over to Australia and shoot some fox. So you guys may you may have me over there. You never know. <laughs> Doing a seminar in Australia would be fantastic. I think. Oh, that'd be great. Let me see if I can get Fox to pick up that airfare. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's the best time to come, Brian. It's uh, unfortunately due to the economic uh, downfall. You know, uh, flights are very cheap at the moment. So, very good, man. Very good. <laughs> Thank Brian for coming on the show again, and uh, stay tuned for more of the Australian Hunting Podcast. You're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Aussie Used Guns. .com.au, the premier classifieds of new and used firearm sales. Thanks for listening. See you next time.